Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and we are here for one of our News and Cues episodes. The news stands uh, for news, while the cues stands for questions. And we've got a lot of great news and cues. It does. Well, one day we're just going to do an episode where it's news and cues, and we just go into all the cues from James Bond, right? <laughs> it's just Yeah. We'll talk about all the major boothroids. Yes, all the armorers. Yeah. Or maybe Quiznos subs. That's the other cue that jumps to my mind for some reason. Maybe I'm hungry. I don't know. 
I am as well. Uh, aren't we always when we record? Hey, we're going to remind you before we get into all of that, the news and the cues that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash four center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, whoever we'll Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And as always, we have another offer, Justin. Yes, that is right. We have an offer from Insight Editions. They're a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books and other pop culture books. They're offering 35% off across their website if you use this very special link, insighteditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are recommending an Inside Editions book that I think is perfect for the holidays, and that is Secrets of the Sith. Uh, maybe not what everyone would think of as a warm holiday book, mm-hmm. since it is mostly Sheev being very angry, but this book is close to my heart, so I'm going to suggest that you get it for someone that you love. If you want to check it out, you can use this link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Give the gift of Sith this holiday season. <laughs> Wrap it with a Sheev. That is exactly right. Hey, before we catch up with Life Adventures, Star Wars Adventures, big holiday weekend over here in the States, for those that celebrated and a lot of things going on um, to to watch and discuss, this could be Beetle Center real quick or James Bond Center real quick. Uh, Before we get to that, we have some exciting news. Um, a little switch and transition uh, happening here to the Four Center podcast feed that, quite frankly, is going to be real easy for all of you to manage. Don't you worry. We just want to let you know, uh, as the shows continue to grow, first we were over uh, on Podomatic. Great service. I recommend them. They didn't treat us bad at all. We just kind of grew beyond what they could do, and we went to Anchor. We've had a lot of fun being uh, hosted on Anchor. Uh, it, it really kind of uh, helped us keep the lights on and grow as a brand. Well, now, Joseph, we are happy to announce that we are uh, making another transition to ACAST. The podcast will now be hosted on ACAST. And, Joseph, that's uh, something we're really looking forward to and should be easy for all of our listeners, right? Yeah, absolutely. Very excited. Uh, ACAST was great to reach out to us and and ask us to, uh, to, to come on board, and we are very happy to do it. And we always want to let people know because um, there might be uh, a little bit of a – I don't think there's going to be any big change in our schedule. I think we're going to have our first ACAST episode out on Thursday, but we want to let listeners know just in case there is a little hiccup. We'll send out uh, tweets and Facebook as, as well. But, yeah, it's one of those nice, exciting things that's potentially a big, great change uh, for us as uh, podcasters, and then for the listeners, uh, we'll probably make no difference whatsoever. <laughs> you'll still be able to find uh, the podcast, all the normal places that you find it. Uh, maybe you'll get some different links when we tweet out uh, the podcast. But I know people don't just uh, pound the link button in tweets. They go and find their podcast where they want to find them, and we'll still be available everywhere. Everywhere, indeed. Maybe even some more spots. And for UK listeners, ACAST is pretty popular over there, I hears. So uh, maybe it'll be even easier for you. We'll keep you updated on any potential changes, uh, obstacles, but the the switch is going to be pretty easy. We're so happy to be recruited by this wonderful team. And hopefully this will lead to some uh, even uh, bigger growths and plateaus and more plateaus for Force Center. It's been fun, but we can't do any of that without all of you. We appreciate, as always, your your listener support and uh, spreading the word, sharing it. Uh, I love seeing tweets of, you got to listen to this episode, uh, because that's what I do myself sometimes to my friends. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to ACAST this week, and we couldn't be more excited. All right. Joseph, are you ready to catch up and talk about life and Star Wars adventures? Did you have any? 
Oh, yes, yes. I had a little bit of a life. It was great. Uh, and definitely some Star Wars adventures. Uh, yeah, as you said, it's a big uh, holiday time in uh, in the States of Thanksgiving. It's very, very nice to have, uh, you know, a couple days of calm, right? Like, mm. uh, you can take time off any time that you can manage in your life. But there's this different vibe here for Thanksgiving weekend where it's like so many things have slowed down. And just like, I feel like the whole... Um, like I, I look out the window and it feels like the world is a little calmer <laughs> and it's very, very nice. Uh, yeah. My wife and I had a fun pop culture adventure of rewatching the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm. Uh, we watched the normal editions, not the extended ed- editions. Uh, we finished the, you know, hours and hours of the, <laughs> of the normal one. And I jokingly said to my wife, like, okay, let's start in on the extended. <laughs> she was like, I enjoyed this very much, but maybe later. We'll uh, dive into the extended. That was really great for me to reconnect with those films. I haven't seen them in forever. Uh, Lord of the Rings is such a different beast from Star Wars. It is such a, a ground zero of of fantasy yeah. uh, as we see it. Um, and Star Wars is, of course, space fantasy. Um, but it was fun to see these kind of deep underpinnings of themes that, you know, we talk about a lot on uh, for center that a big one for star wars is hope versus fear and it was it's really great to enjoy so much going on in that adaptation of lord of the rings that so much was about if uh, people give in to fear and are afraid of working together everything falls apart uh, and if yeah. they have even a glimmer of hope and are willing to work together uh, that is what makes the victory possible it isn't what just oh great no sacrifice no problem i say hope <laughs> I have hope in a friend and everything's fine. No, it's it's hope or friend are the only, only mm. possibilities. Hope mm. and a friend, not hope or a friend. I didn't mean that it's optional, <laughs> slipped out. Uh, so that was a fun uh, pop culture adventure. All my pop culture adventures at this point relate back to Star Wars because <laughs> I'm always yeah. thinking from that mindset. Um, and then in just <laughs> absolutely basic fun straightforward star wars adventure uh we put our our christmas tree up that we have a lot of star wars ornaments and i got a new one at an antique store it is a luke skywalker from the last jedi 2017 ornament it was four dollars it was out of a box uh it's you know luke in his great white jedi robes he's got his uh hands cupped together the one metal hand out it's a really cool pose and then just the absolute most bizarre expression on luke's face it looks like he was actually sculpted to be mid-sentence. <laughs> ah, like he's in the middle of a diatribe. <laughs> Love that. I saw that. I saw the picture you posted. And it's uh it it 2017, but it does look like it was from uh from yesteryear, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it really does look like it was made in 1952. It's beautifully weird. I love it. So those are my Star Wars adventures. Uh, a weird Luke Skywalker hanging from my tree and hope and fear in Middle Earth. Love that. Love that. I uh, While you were doing that, I was busy watching the other Peter Jackson trilogy everyone's talking about this week, the Get Back documentary. <laughs> uh, I am one of those loopy, nutty, goofy Beatle fans. I, uh, I, you know, I've talked about it on the show before, but yeah, I, I am I am one of those. And I know you're a fan of the Beatles as well, too, Joseph. Let's not let Guns N' Roses hog all of your <laughs> music spotlight or Sinatra. But yeah, I'm one of those fans. And it just, um, you know, I could go on and on about it, but uh and concentrating on, on on Star Wars and looking on the themes, and this is what we really love doing here. It's not all we do when we discuss Star Wars. We have fun. We have look at the weird. We look at the cute. We look at all of it. But when you dive into what the story is telling you, which has been a mantra here for a while now since uh, uh, you started saying it, and we should put that on a, on a T-shirt, Joseph. Um, I just there's some 
themes that emerge from that doc is as a Beatle fan that, uh, you know, uh, are, are not necessarily changing the narrative. They're just putting focus and, and, and bringing the new things to light about the long held narrative of the Beatles. Cause you know, the Beatles, I, I literally have a book, uh, the called the complete, I think it's the complete Beatles encyclopedia. Or something. it's literally a book that documents every day of their uh, professional career. <laughs> and at one point during the second part of the Jackson, the get back doc, I pulled that off the shelf and was literally just, going through each day while they're talking about it on the movie, uh, on the doc. So there's such documented band, but this, this, the doc hit me in another level, uh, kind of a thematic and spiritual level about, uh, change and growth and how we can uh, fight that and how it could cause hurt and pain and maybe needless uh, suffering and how uh, communication is important uh, to maybe uh, retain connections as you change and grow versus completely destroy them. And that stuff that's been going, especially professionally and creatively, that stuff that's been going on in my life over the last few weeks and even the last year of just realizing you're kind of uh, grown apart from the people you're working on stuff with. And uh, how do you do that in the right way? And I just, so I took a lot of these, Big themes from it. By the way, force that force center is not the example there. Force center's going strong, clearly. Um, yeah, so I just it hit me. It hit me, and and I love uh, I love kind of uh, you know it's the Qui Gon of it all. Your focus determines reality of how you watch things. <laughs> that is great. I can't wait to dive into it. Yeah, I, I felt totally out of step with time watching Peter Jackson's other famous trilogy, and <laughs> wondering if Andy Circus plays anyone in the Beatles trilogy that I was not watching this weekend. Uh, but it was fun to see so many people's social media reaction, and just watching the social media reaction, I was thinking a lot about uh, what's at stake in the sequel trilogy and Luke Skywalker in particular of. That difference, that thing that we can do in the real world was, is deify people, right? Yep. Of the Beatles are, of course, they deserve to sort of be legends because their talents were that amazing. They, they had a huge impact on culture and on people's lives, right? But it seems like this documentary is really forcing people to take a step back and go, they're humans <laughs> yeah. with uh, nuance and, and flaws and strengths and uh, changing focus and opinion over time. And I think that's so important. You know, mm. I'm, I'm such an all in fan of many, many people and things, but I always want to keep it centered of like, well, what's amazing is that a flawed human <laughs> mm. made mm. this thing that I love. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's weird. Again, you have to stop me or else we got two hours of this from me. Um, you know, obviously they're real people and I know people have met some of the Beatles over the years and, oh, we got, you know, he had toast in my kitchen. I've heard, I've heard all this, but just <laughs> to, to see the Beatles, you know, capital T, capital B, the Beatles uh, rehearsing and messing about, uh, Ringo farting, uh, John eating toast. Like <laughs> it really, it was what you said of just breaking it down and finding out what really was going on, good and bad during that time. And it, and that helped uh, share the uh, sh shine new light on, on the whole scenario and something I've known just like the Star Wars story. We know every nook and cranny of the Star Wars story and we've heard every, uh, you know, every quote from George on it or every documentary that's covered it. But this was a little different. This is if a camera was just in the room while George was uh, talking things out with Gary Kurtz or something like that. And, and by the way, if we could get that, I would love that. <laughs> more documentary footage yes yeah. and uh, this is so great because uh i i don't know if you're just using a random example or ringo actually farts and now i'm gonna have such tension going into this documentary going, right. when does it really happen or was it just an example i will uh i will not spoil anything from the documentary <laughs> of all eight and a, eight and a half or close to nine hours uh great stuff so yeah other than that that was it and then though on thanksgiving day um uh i we i 
Grace and I, for the, we, for the first time in year, we, we both stayed home and I cooked a, a nice uh, vegan mac and cheese meal and we watched No Time to Die. I'm a big fan of the, of the Daniel Craig, James Bond stuff, as you are as well. Finally, I did not get a chance to go out to see it in the theater, um, which is a bummer, but it's the way life is. But hey, now I have this option to see it at home. And I did. And it was great. It was moved. I never thought I'd be bawling my eyes out at a James Bond movie. But there I was. Uh, no spoilers for anyone, but just I really thought it struck an emotional chord. And then after that, Joseph, um, Grace, we want to watch something else. And, and you know, I'm like, what do you want to watch? What do you want to watch? And she says, well, I, I, I kind of want to watch a Star Wars movie, but I know you watch <laughs> you watch them a lot. And I said, yeah, this is this is what I do. Let's do it. Uh, and she wanted to watch Rise of Skywalker. So uh, she loves that movie and we uh, watched it. And then I cried at the end of that movie again. <laughs> oh, I am very happy to hear that you cried this much. I mean that in a positive <laughs> way because I know you're. it's legitimate. You're legitimately yeah. moved by these films. And uh, I was with you. Uh, I have cried at Rise of Skywalker many times and definitely was there for, uh, for No Time to Die. Uh, also saying, being totally spoiler free, I love that that is also a film in my mind about changing times and evolution and being willing to let go and grow. So both James Bond and the Beatles. <laughs> yes. Uh, they're back together again, just like they were in the sixties. <laughs> yeah. You had, you had all of the mania of the sixties this weekend with the exception of Daleks. Uh, so I think you'd had a great weekend of letting British people teach you to move on. Yeah. There you go. They, they, they definitely taught me that. So uh, all good, all good. And then uh, in the meantime, I got in a text debate with a good friend of mine over Rise of Skywalker. And you know what I just did, Joseph? I said, I don't have time for this. Here's 10 links to Force Center. I've done all my talking. <laughs> Joseph's done all his talking. Just listen. If you like it, you don't. I can't do anything for you after that. So it goes. <laughs> yep. So it goes. Well, let's look forward. Let's look forward to new Star Wars. We got new Star Wars uh, coming real quick here, December 29th, Book of Boba Fett. And we have a TV spot to talk about. Actually, check that. We have two TV spots to talk about. And quite frankly, by the time of this uh, release, we might have three TV spots. I'm expecting a few. Uh, we got uh, the first 30-second spot titled Rain uh, that uh, doesn't contain much in the way of new footage, but does um, does uh, show us a bounty being brought to the palace doors, a little speeder bike chase, and Slave One parked in the palace with a hanger straight out of Battlefront maps. We'll talk about that. Then the second one today, um, kind of a similar amount of uh, footage that we've seen before. You know, obviously they're showing us what they want to, but big reveal. They cut to those Tusken Raiders in the sandstorm. A lot of people thinking, is that the sandstorm? Is that the Tusken Raiders at that moment in time? And it might be. Because we also saw a shot of uh, what looks like a healing Boba Fett with a breathing tube underwater, under Bacta. Is that from them? Uh, is that how he rests now? We don't know, but it kind of uh, makes it seem, as he says, I was left for dead in the Tatooine Desert. A lot of stuff, Joseph, uh, from uh, each uh, 30 second spot. So let's dive in. General thoughts on what you got going on here. Yeah, but both of these are working for me. And yes, I think I, I feel like I'm racing to finish this sentence before a third one is released. I think it's going to be yep. a month of these these fun uh, 30 second uh, uh, commercials. Uh, I love I, I like both of them and, and we'll talk of details. But I think this one that was released today as we're recording uh, the one where he it starts, you know, uh, I am Boba Fett left for dead on the sands of Tatooine. <laughs> it's yeah. it's like he's reciting an epic poem he's writing about himself. You know, uh, we know we know Fennec Shand is going to feature prominently. She obviously features prominently in the commercials. Uh, 
Tumor Morrison himself, I think, described it as a two-hander. So we know that there's a lot of Fennec Shan left to be uh, discovered. But with that caveat, the big picture that I'm liking about both of these is that they continue to kind of center the story around this is about the the legacy uh, uh, of this guy named Boba Fett, what he's been through in the past and how he is emerging from this trauma, wanting to be a- and start something new. And that is what's so exciting to me about it, that it's this uh, this former hunter who says, I'm done doing everybody else's dirty work. I'm going to tell <laughs> the gangster underworld how things are going to go uh, from now on. And they're going to listen to me, not because they think I'm going to kill them, but because they respect me. And if they yeah. don't, I might kill them. <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is a great promotion story. He's moved up in the business world. Here. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I'm with you on that. You know, I still think my favorite of all the things you've seen so far is just that line of, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but just like, yeah, I ain't a bounty hunter. I thought you were. I've heard otherwise. Nah, not anymore. I left that job. Uh, and we'll see what that actually means. Again, uh, in uh, seven episodes, we also, that came out of this uh, release today of it's a seven episode series, which is exciting too. But yeah, I, I know that story can go a lot of different places, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm focusing on that transition point or potential transition point in yeah. Yeah. And then the, I think the other big news for me out of these two spots is I would say pretty big hints to maybe confirmation that we are going to see flashbacks. Right. That's yeah. what a lot of fans have talked about wanting or speculated that it's it's going to be. But between, you know, that shot of uh, the great uh, uh, trailer or not trailer, uh, the garage, yeah. <laughs> the hangar. There we go. Yeah. There's the noun I want uh, of slave one in the hangar. Uh, Boba is in his Tuscan Raider gear that we first met him in in the Mandalorian season two. So that sound right. looks like maybe that's a flashback. Um, it looks like he's in Bacta. It looks like those could be sand people, Tuscan Raiders, uh, rescuing him. Obviously, uh, Left for Dead's on the sands of Tatooine is uh, pretty direct. So I think that's all like great confirmation that this is not that this is going to at least go back far enough to go like this is what I've been through this is you know the fire i was this new version of me was forged in love that and i'm i'm one that doesn't love living in flashbacks too much but i don't mind them like i it's like it's also like an old screenwriting don't tell your story in flashbacks and nuts to that if it works it works like i just i'm here for anything um but i think more than any other series kenobi might have some ahsoka might have some right we this comes up a lot i i boba fett just makes a lot of sense i do I do want those playground answers. We've been talking about this for years. I want to see him pulled out or crawling out. I, I want to see those details. If I don't get it, I don't get it. Not a big issue. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm potentially more excited than I thought I would be about flashbacks of Boba Fett. Boba Fett coming out of that Sarlacc is like the this extremely weird Star Wars thing that we have read or seen or played. It's existed in many different iterations, right? Uh, so the idea of seeing it in a really on-screen way, in this modern canon, and in a way that's not just like, ah, Boba Fett shouldn't have died that way, it was dumb, so he came out. This yeah. is so going to be about, uh, and I don't mean any disrespect in any other stories about his emergence, but that yeah. this is so going to be about what happened to him, how did he change because of that. That's mm. so exciting. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's a detail I want to see, but then what does that detail tell do for the storytelling? Absolutely excited about that. Again, this is this is a character that I've you know said so many times. I'm not a huge Boba Fett fan. We get it, Ken. We get it, Ken. But here I am. I'm excited. And you mentioned it too. Like the the the, the initial TV spot was was solid. It's good. 
Um, for some reason, these last two, just the 30 second packages, I don't know what uh, it is about it. Uh, I'm almost asking, like, do you know? Tell me, Joseph. These two TV spots got me more excited. There seems to be a little more gravitas to these two TV spots than the, the actual uh, t- teaser trailer from a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I don't know. I think this, I think it's just about mood. Everything is being conveyed in mood. Mm. I think they're successfully uh, teasing. Like, we can pause them and go, oh, hey, look, I think those that's those two guys running over rooftops That's that they then seem to be captured. You, you can try to pause it and put together, like, okay, at, at the crime meeting, why does Lock Willish turn his head? Like, we can go deep on trying to find the plot yeah. beats, yeah. but it feels like these are images from maybe just the first episode, uh, mm-hmm, second mm-hmm. at most. Uh, and it's not about the narrative. It's about the mood. You know, those, those really flat shots of like Boba Fett standing at the head of that table, like trying to command through, you know, respect. Yeah. Um, that really flat shot of that Athorian that, you know, I made a joke on social media, but it just looks like, you know, Don Athorian, the godfather, you know, the, you know, the crime boss. It just, I think it evokes these feelings of like, it is so related to Star Wars, but it is a slightly different vibe. It's not Boba Fett, the hunter getting an assignment from Jabba and, and kicking people's butt. It's like this, it's this mission. It's like, it feels like, it feels gangster, right? It feels like all the bosses coming together to say like, can we work this out without fighting? Probably not. In that mood is really powerful. I would love if the episode one ends with everyone going, yeah, so that's good. Want to eat and just figure it out? Yeah, let's talk. <laughs> and then the flamethrowers and the knee darts get going. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, and again, I think because uh, my, it's not that I have uh, expectations are low or anything. I just don't know what to expect, including cast. The fact that, you know, we now, you know, know Jennifer Beals is in it as, as a Twi'lek is, is like the only other thing we know. We don't know anything. And yeah. I'm really excited by that. They're just setting the mood, setting the tone about what's going on, you know? I mean, anyone could show up in this. Yeah, I, I think that there is, we'll see, maybe the uh, commercials will slowly just drip and drip everything out. But I also just, it feels like between the way this is advertised uh, the way Mandalorian season two was advertised where those clips were short and like we had a lot of fun. Like we all saw a nice planet and we did, <laughs> we all did long podcasts about, well, could it be Ilum? Like, right. Uh, which is great. There's nothing wrong with it. I in fact yeah. think that's great. And it seems like um, this is utter conjecture on my part. I have nothing to back this up. Just the fan spitballing. It seems like Favreau has the sway to go, I want trailers that are mood. I do not want to give anything away. Mm. Nothing can be shown outside of the first two to three episodes, you know? Yeah. And that I think is giving it this extra weight of it is just mood. It's not a bunch of plot details. You know, it's not like with a lot of movies these days that have things from the third act where you could go, Oh, okay. Well, I guess you put the pieces together and this is generally the shape of the narrative. There is so much we don't know, which is what I think is exciting. Because it makes you want to know more. It does. It does. Good marketing indeed. It's working on me. Uh, and, and you might say, well, Ken, that's not a surprise. You've been hosting Force Center now for six years with Joseph and Jennifer. No, I, I, I you know, I, I, if, if there's things I don't super love, I don't super talk about them. You don't see me reviewing <laughs> a lot of comics right now. I don't love everything in the comics. Not everything pulls me in, but it's Star Wars and I celebrate all things Star Wars. This one, it's it's working on me and I'm excited. And one other little thing here, I mentioned it, but the Slave One parked in the palace. You talked about it as well, Joseph. Uh, and I saw, I'm not the first to mention 
mention this. It's been on on Twitter, but it's um, it looks a lot like uh, the Battlefront Two or just any Battlefront map of Jabba's palace in the back, the garage where the katana is and the skiffs. And for some reason, I was just like, wait, I, I really, we've already seen like Jabba's maybe bedroom that they've taken over and moved into or the patio <laughs> up top. Uh, I am obsessed with that. I'm particularly obsessed with the palace. I just have always loved Jabba's palace, love crawling around it on video games. I got to ask you, are you excited to see other parts of the palace? Maybe confirm or, uh, you know, uh, learn new, confirm what they look like or, or, or learn about new parts. I am so excited. I am excited on multiple levels. I feel like there is a real awareness that, you know, going back to 1983 when people first saw Jabba's Palace, that that was tip of the iceberg storytelling and we want to know more. I still think it's really uh, uh, instructive that the first shot of that teaser trailer, not the commercials, but that teaser trailer that came out a couple of weeks ago, is that Bomar Monk, which was literally in the shadows in the background, is now in the light in the forefront. Right. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of a thesis statement of like, you've ever you've been curious about this world, this actual building, we're diving in. So it, yeah. I'm really excited about it from that perspective. It's also like we know this from some of the team that's worked on The Mandalorian that like some of these people are have been long been fans of expanded universe stuff of yeah. video games, right? Um, so the idea that <laughs> the design team is sitting down going, Okay, narratively, do we need the Slave One Park somewhere? What should it look like? Like, I played this video game. I thought it was awesome, you know? And I'm so excited for from the uh, 2017 Battlefront 2. You know, a big part of that map is that kind of lounge area in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah. You go to out of the actual throne room and down a little hall, and then there's this, and you don't go down the stairs, and there's this, like, little uh, private nooks and, like, uh, big couches and you know space hookahs <laughs> yeah yeah i so want to see a big meeting in that lounge area i would love it i would love it i would love to see some B bts footage of uh you know favreau saying hey, can we, he just parks it here and like feloni and robert rodriguez are like no there's a garage job has a garage <laughs> in the garage yeah yeah and does max rebo have a green room i need to see that <laughs> Uh, I hope Rebo survived. If Fortuna survived, give me Rebo and uh, maybe a new band. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> there we go. And uh, Boba Fett will pay them not with money, but respect. But with respect. So there you go. As we said up top, I'm sure more TV spots are going to be coming on out. And we'll talk about those if we get a chance to here on Force Center. Uh, we'll be playing catch up. If right now, we got uh, the first two TV spots in the books, and hopefully you all enjoyed them as well. A couple stories here to dive into, Joseph, that are, well, quite frankly, a little juicy, a little juicy. And they all come out of this Empire Magazine article, which uh, I think's finally out. I think it was released on the 25th. This happens all the time. A big article of, uh, you know, Star Wars related comes out, and then they start dripping out quotes for weeks <laughs> to the point where you just, and it's fun, but to the point you just, number one, forget when the article's actually coming out and then feel you don't even really need to get the article because you've discussed or read every little uh, highlight from it. So we're going to do that as well. We're going to follow that trend. Uh, looking into the article, and I, and, and, and I quite frankly couldn't even find the article. I went to empiremagazine.com. I, I, I don't know. And I'm too far away from a newsstand, Joseph, like the old days where I'd race down to go get something. Look, I got there's literally an old school newsstand uh, down the street from my mm. home. So, I, you know, this magazine is just a, a, a putting on of pants away. So I got to go check it out. <laughs> because 
fully admit I have not read the full article, just these uh, these great drips. Yeah, great drips indeed. And that's a good newsstand. Uh, but many fantasy baseball uh, magazines there leaving uh, your house <laughs> in the old Four Center days. Um, all right, so uh, a couple things. So we got the reveals of uh, what looks to be two new Book of Boba Fett directors. And we think this completes our collection, but who knows? Joining Robert Rodriguez, Dave Filoni, and Bryce Dallas Howard will be Steph Green and Kevin Tancherone. Tancherone, yes. Uh, Steph Green is an Emmy and Oscar-nominated director. Emmy nom came for her work on Watchmen. Yeah, a lot of people kind of tuned into that show. Uh, Oscar nom was for her short film, New Boy, other credits, and there's many credits. She's very, very skilled and a long resume, but credits include Luke Cage, The Americans, and Billion. So let's start with Steph Green. Joseph, what do you think about this choice? Oh, wow. I mean, I, I uh, cannot say that I uh, was familiar with her work or tractor, but mm. man, her list of credits, there's some stuff that I absolutely love in there. Um, Watchmen uh, television show I thought was absolutely amazing. Americans, uh, I've, I've talked about uh, in the past in, in association with its uh, relationship to Andor. Uh, mm-hmm. even before uh, I realized that some of the people working on it were actually <laughs> involved yeah. with the Americans because that is one of my absolute favorite shows. What excites me about this is obviously amazingly accomplished uh, director, but in particular for the shows that, that I'm familiar with that she's worked on, Watchmen, uh, The Americans, uh, Luke Cage, they're all shows that exist within, you know, a uh, certain amount of heightened reality. I mean, yeah. Americans less so. Americans isn't, isn't genre. It is, it's spy, but it's still like this incredibly heightened situation of, uh, what if the great fear was true and your suburban neighbors were actually long-term Russian spies? <laughs> uh, so those shows all have action. They have, uh, you know, drama and, and comedy in high, uh, in heightened situations. Yeah. But Watchmen and the Americans in particular, th- that those shows are like, um, can't watch without like gripping the couch arm in mm in fear <laughs> right, right. for the high amount of tension. Right. Um, so that makes me excited of like, Ooh, uh, this is somebody who can really handle super tense scenarios. And that's really intriguing in the, in the context of uh, Boba Fett. It definitely works. And on the other side, uh, I'm not super familiar with, um, uh, a lot of these shows, because uh, 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 I just sit and play video games. People know this, but Billions, uh, not familiar with it, but you look up what Billions is, and this is literally, uh, you know, a suspense uh, drama set in the the world of financial uh, centers, and and you know, you got uh, people accumulating wealth and power in this high finance world. All right, like that definitely translates <laughs> what Boba Fett's going on. It's just the criminal underworld in Star Wars. And it doesn't always need to be these one-to-one comparisons from credit uh, credits to, to this credit, but it, it doesn't hurt. And just to see what they're good at and what they work with. So I'm like, yeah, it, uh, it's a name I'm not super familiar with, but I'm happy to, to be familiar with it before. I wasn't super familiar with uh, Deborah Chow before Boba Fett. Rick, mm-hmm. I mean, you have, I'd heard the name certainly being discussed when I was on old movie talk type of shows. Now I'm more familiar with him and no one other than her acting work was familiar with what Bryce Dallas Howard could do. And I think we're all on board with what she's done. So Steph Green, so uh, experienced bringing that to Boba Fett. Can't be anything but a good thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. Very excited about that. On the other side, this is an interesting choice here with uh, Kevin uh, Tancheron. Uh, he started as a choreographer, working for, among other people, Madonna. That's, that's <laughs> a good thing. And then made his di- uh, directorial debut with 2009's Fame. 
And then he wrote and directed 2010's Mortal Kombat Rebirth. And then from there, it goes into a lot of TV uh, credits, uh, including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Flash, Supergirl. That's an interesting, uh, diverse resume. I immediately think of, ooh, dancing? That's like fighting. And want to know <laughs> if that's going to factor into Star Wars. What's your thoughts on uh, this uh, choice? I'm excited to see this. Uh, I'm a big fan of a lot of these, uh, the superhero shows, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Flash, Supergirl, all all things that I uh, have watched. Um, and those really also have a great balance of, there's action, like, you know, uh, big, big fights. <laughs> yeah. uh, violent dancing, as we call it, fighting, uh, drama <laughs> yeah. and comedy and, and all that, that, again, that approach that really understands how to, have emotional realism within a great big genre world right mm -hmm. uh and that is uh, what i'm really excited to see is you know again somebody who's really experienced at grounding the fantasy absolutely and maybe we're one step closer to madonna appearing in star wars I don't know, I'm just <laughs> no I, I joke but it's great I, I love the credits there i love the credits of both of them and they're very accomplished long careers here but they're new to star wars and this is what i love about these shows we have this ability feloni we're obviously familiar with robert rodriguez of course long career fabulous involvement but i love that with a six seven episode season or longer with andor we'll see the full list of directors and all that kind of stuff i just love that you can get new voices uh new perspectives and new talents into star wars and then see where you want to take them if you want to go on like deborah chow with a kenobi series I, that doesn't happen unless she uh, steps onto the set of mandalorian and i think that's a just a smart way to to do this and less pressure and not that there's not pressure on these directors for directing any star wars but it's not a it's not a movie it's not you're not worried about the opening weekend box office you're just worried about uh, <laughs> getting the show out and telling the story uh with the writers and directors and and, and performers so i'm i'm excited to see this this trend to continue in star wars uh, tv shows going forward it has been a great uh side effect of uh, the streaming services of disney plus of uh star wars and marvel in particular cuz those are the ones i'm paying the most attention to right. of uh, of taking uh, directors and writers, some of them with a shorter career, some of them like, like these yeah. two directors with long established careers and uh, giving them more opportunities and more highlight, which is awesome. It is awesome. This, like I said, this looks to be the complete list of directors. We now know it's a seven episode run. Uh, so this would make some sense here. Five directors, maybe some uh, Robert Rodriguez getting a couple episodes. Now, there was a rumor of Favreau helming one. That might be incorrect. That rumor came from Tamara Morrison. Um, but at the same time, Favreau's on set. Um, he might be doing a little bit of uh, Lucas over Mark Wan's shoulder in Return of the Jedi stuff, but he's on set. So I uh, I can understand if uh, Tamora got a little uh, uh, confused or just said it and was taken out of context. Um, not that he'd be confused about who was telling him what to do on set, but, you know, Favreau's presence is going to be felt on all these TV shows that we know. So I think that's where that came from. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. And I think that is a great reminder uh, to take things that actors say with a grain of salt, not because they don't know what they're talking about, but just because they're talking from the, the you know, cuff, right? And they're talking yeah. about their experience from their perspective, and they're not talking necessarily in a way to have every individual word parsed <laughs> yeah. uh, for clues, right? Because it makes total sense to me that he's like, yeah, no, uh, he's the one of the main producers. And yeah, no, I was shooting this scene. And yeah, of course, uh, th this other person was the director. But then uh, Favreau came over and was like, hey, let's talk about this. Because he's, I'm, I have no doubt that Tamar Morrison was directed by Favreau <laughs> yeah, no, at no. some point. Uh, and that is 
you know, it's on us if we took that as a clue that Favreau was the official director of an episode. Hey, you know, I, I know someone who told a pal who then told me that, hey, that person's in season one of that Star Wars thing. And then they called back and were like, sorry, I meant season two. I don't even know. So <laughs> take it for what it is. You're right. It's a it's a, I'm just happy to have everyone here involved. All right. We're not done. We're not done with that Empire Magazine article. Uh, you know, I heard of Kathleen Kennedy, Joseph. She's uh, she's out and about every now and then. She's out and about. Uh, she is uh, all through this article and uh, a lot of great quotes that uh, just wonderful tidbits and some clarifications uh, and which make for great stories. And actually, quite frankly, I do love hearing this stuff from Kathleen uh, in interviews and some of its clarification. You could be cynical and say, what's she hiding? Or she's just kind of telling you the story as best she can. Let's dive through this, Joseph. Rangers of the New Republic ain't happening, kids, officially. Kathleen says no scripts were ever written, but some ideas that were kicked around might make their way to the Mandalorian or technically, she said, other series. So we'll start there. This had been coming up a bit. We've heard this in um, well, Hollywood Reporter or the Variety. Someone said, oh, it's not an act of development. Uh, what do we think uh, this being dealt with in this type of interview, uh, uh, Empire Magazine promoting the book of Boba Fett? What do you think about this news and where it came from? Uh, in, in terms of just kind of from the fan perspective of uh, what stories are coming along and why and all that, uh, this is not upsetting to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You know, it was cool when they announced it. Uh, it feels like it was announced in the the flush of the, the thrill of the success of Mandalorian season two in particular, right? Yeah. Uh, Mandalorian season one is a, is a big hit. Uh, everybody is kind of coming to Mandalorian season one with like, uh, this is this little side story about this one bounty hunter. And then, you know, season two for better or worse, it explodes it out into, into all of these different directions you could go. And it seems like Ranger of the new Republic was announced along with Ahsoka with this kind of, uh, you know, and Boba Fett was going to be announced, you know, the week later, uh, that, uh, or a couple days later, um, that it seems like there's an explosion of excitement of where can we take these stories, uh, these storylines. Yeah. I care about the storyline. I don't care if it's its own show. You know, they started this thread in season two that the, you know, the new Republic is not uh, big enough to keep its eye on everything. And they're trying to kind of keep an eye on outer rim. And if there's a real problem, some X-wings are going to come screaming in and people are concerned about the power of the new Republic. But it's only specific people uh, who are really noticing that something's going on here, right? So this storyline thread of how does the New Republic interact with the Outer Rim? Does that lead them to finding out a little bit more about uh, the origins of the First Order? That that through line is interesting to me. The perspective of uh, mm -hmm. New Republic rangers and pilots is interesting to me. But I don't need that to be its own show. I'm happy if that is seeded into the Mandalorian or even Ahsoka. Yeah, I'm right there with you. All all I want is give me Carson Teva searching the galaxy. And if that shows up uh, anywhere, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's where it comes down to is uh, as long as there's some good Carson Teva content, I'm happy. Yeah, or, you know, Iden Versio, hey, there's a lot of potential. And, and uh, yeah, look, this just speaks to one, number one, the success of Mandalorian and uh, and Favreau's involvement and, and how he, he just kind of gets a lot of stuff and, and working uh, under the direction of Kathleen Kennedy and including, hey, pick up this Dave guy and put him on your team. And, you know, Dave, let's do this. It's, it's just a testament to how well things work and that they could also just be like, how about this show? What's on it? I don't know. We'll figure it out. And, <laughs> and then that's what happens. And then they, they figure it out. And, yes, there's some – 
you know, controversy about one of the potential cast members, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I can tell you that, that to me is, is almost a non-factor uh, in this story to me. It's that they don't feel that the, you know, the full length series works. Uh, let's go ahead and redes- uh, redesign some of the stories as long as we get some of the stories. And then he even makes Mando season three more robust or Mando season four or Book of Boba Fett season two more robust. I'm really excited just explore those uh, potential possibilities. So this makes a lot of sense um, yeah. for me. Yeah. I, I just going to say the, the other kind of bit of news over the last you know, couple of years that almost seems more relevant is those Mandalorian books being announced yeah. and then uh, saying, Oh, turns out we're not going to do them uh, for me. And again, I have, you know, no actual uh, rumors or reporting. This is just fan conjecture. I really feel like Favreau, <laughs> I get this like a uh, uh, really great picture of him uh, with his many collaborators in the kitchen, just cooking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he's making the dish. He's knowing he knows the dish that everybody's making. But then, uh, you know, Dave accidentally spills some spice in a stew and he goes like, wait, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if we what if that stew was uh, the main course of this meal instead of the side dish, like uh, our ongoing food analogies. I just really think that there is this um, great burst of creativity that's going on and that there is an instinct and a desire to go, don't lock us in too much because we know our big picture, but we're open to surprises as we go. Yeah, but you're not lying. I mean, you can make the jokes about Favreau and his Netflix cooking show. One of my favorite things to just watch, and Roy Choi is the one who's in there teaching him going, no, 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 I just, I just throw stuff in there and figure it out. Like, <laughs> this is how you do. We're cooking. That's the important thing. Uh, and I absolutely think that's right. I think, uh, you know, if you find yourself locked in a ways, uh, to your to your analogy, uh, Filoni spills some spices on the mashed potatoes and someone comes along and says, well, the instruction said no mashed potatoes. Nuts to that. We're going to have <laughs> mashed potatoes. Um uh, so I'm excited just about that. It seems to be along with you know Kathleen Kennedy at the top of this uh, this uh, pipeline up here on the TV side working really well. So where's that in those article discussions? It's all yep. working really well. Um, she went on to describe the upcoming Kenobi and or Ahsoka series as uh, so individual and, and unique in their own way that I think they'll appeal to a wide variety of audiences within Star Wars. What are our thoughts on that? Specifically, you know, this question of can Star Wars fandom ever truly get to this point where it's the salad bar of Star Wars that you and I have talked about keeping with our food conversation? <laughs> uh, can Star Wars fans get to that point and be truly happy with the parts of Star Wars that they love? Yeah, no, I, I want this to be, you know, the salad bar, the buffet. Mm-hmm. It awakens all yeah. of your food choices. The, uh, it, it makes me really happy to hear uh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy herself uh, promoting it this way and saying, uh as creators, as a company, that's our goal, you know, that we want to offer lots of different uh, styles, lots of different perspectives. And that is the the power of a uh, place like Disney Plus, right? Um, if a big chunk of the fandom isn't interested in Ahsoka, it's not the next movie. It's And it's not the only Star Wars content for, uh, you know, two to three years or <laughs> many decades, <laughs> depending on uh, your your point of view there. Um, so I think it, I think it's just great that there is room to play and see what sparks with a general audience, right? That mm-hmm. I think this model so allows that of hey, maybe maybe Andor will be a surprise hit, and instead of Grogu being on everything <laughs> next yeah. couple of holidays, it'll be uh, Cassie and Andor on all your pajama pants. Who knows? Uh, but they have room to explore creatively, and I really hope that um, that a decent amount of fandom. Uh, embraces this i think that there will always be it's just a a part of the the star wars and the genre 
world, right? The genre commentary world. There's always going to be somebody who who really feels like they have a hot take on exactly why this this, yeah. this particular ingredient on the Star Wars salad dish <laughs> salad bar is is no good. <laughs> <laughs> you should never put half cut eggs on a salad and let me explain to you why that's always going to be there right but functionally i think there's yeah. going to be a lot of people who love one thing and mm-hmm. could take or leave another and that's great yeah yeah absolutely and i will i will i will counter with a chef salad with an egg is okay uh other than that but it's not my favorite either so croutons <laughs> getting it. no um I, i'm right there with you this is uh you know something we've been talking about but it's hard look it's 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 hard. I mentioned up top. It's like I, I do, you know, run through the comics. I love that we have the comics. I love going to get them. I love having them shipped to me. And they don't hit for me as much as others. And and it's easy for me to say it's a salad bar, a buffet. By the way, I always say salad bar because I used to go to Sizzler, which their salad bar is essentially <laughs> a buffet, by the way. Um, but, it, but it's even hard for me to let, let to, to, to put down those comics and be like, oh, I didn't love that as much as I wanted and feel let down and feel disappointed. I get it. I get it. But then you just kind of put them on the shelf and, and you don't, you don't dwell on it and you go to what you do love. Um, it's not easy, but I think once you do it, I think it, it, it's just fun as a Star Wars fan. That's why you and I talk about it a lot. Uh, I'm excited for all these shows, but we'll see. We'll see if the Ahsoka series hits for me as a Rebels uh, sequel or whatever, or whatever it might end up being more than Kenobi or Andor, something I've been waiting, you know, my whole life for the Kenobi story in the desert. I don't know. We'll see. But I, I just love that we have this uh, buffet of Star Wars. Yeah, me too. I'm right there with you on the buffet, the salad bar, the pizza toppings, whatever food analogy we want to use this time. I'm extremely excited for the variety. We got to stop recording at lunch. Um, <laughs> she also mentioned, uh, I love I love this. This is a, truly a flashback. She mentioned Josh Trank and James Mangold. Remember those days of the news cycle in <laughs> Star Wars? Um, she said that they never really got far on anything with Trank. Uh, there was some talk of him being the, the 2020 standalone movie. And originally, as we know, it was uh, going to be maybe uh, based around Boba Fett or something with the criminal underworld. That I think we do know. Uh, but she said uh, we didn't get too far on anything. And then she also said uh, Jim Mangold, as she called him, uh, was never involved in anything related to Boba Fett. Uh, looking back, there was almost a weird, fun, innocent time, Joseph, looking at old <laughs> Star Wars rumors and alleged fumbles for Lucasfilm. So what do you think of these stories now, years later? This still kind of, you know, years later, five, six years, even two or three for the mangled one. What do you think about looking at these, uh, looking at these stories now? I just, uh, this is a generational tale, right? Like I hear yeah. Obi-Wan going, Trank, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Now, I, I, I like that some of these sort of uh, rumors, some of these, hey, maybe they're attached, maybe they weren't. Uh, I like that some of them are getting old enough that it's no big deal for Kathleen Kennedy to just go, yeah, no, we, we yeah. talked this much and then and then not. And then, yeah, of course we talked to uh, Mr. Mangold, James, Jimmy Mangold. Of course we talked to him, but yeah, not about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I really, uh, I, I think it's great that the... Uh, the uh, statue of kind of limitations uh, yeah, yeah. on on talking about them is is passing. Uh, I do too. I love it. I love kind of seeing it. And um, you know, years from now, we'll get uh, her saying, "Well, yeah, of course I offered nine to Ryan, but then I ended up giving it to JJ. What, what, <laughs> what about it? You know, what do you think? What do you think? Um, yeah, and it's uh, and it just reminds me that you know, there's so many names that come and go, and so many of the stories. And this is not to discredit any of the the movie news. Uh, kind of world that I, I was a part of it for a long time on a daily basis. And, 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 you know, sometimes you have to make a mountain out of a molehill, uh, not for clicks or anything, but just because that's your job. Otherwise, why are you here every day? 
Um, I, I, I get it. I get it. But it does make me look back and just go, you know, hey, just don't don't go chasing waterfalls on every little bit. If Tamora Morrison says something, just wait till the show comes out. <laughs> I think that was my big take on on hearing some of the some of these stories of long ago of the olden times, just sort of yeah. uh, you know deflated with basic quick facts. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Is that you know it, th- there can be a desire to find drama, right, and to find mm. the fumbles. And some of these things with Star Wars, like we talked about last week, yeah, obviously there have been uh, fumbles and conflicts and all that. But a lot yeah. of this is just yeah. the normal business of making movies in television shows and going, should we do this? Let's meet with the person. Let's take this. Yeah. Uh, let's develop this a little bit. Nah, you know what? We're not going to do that. Like that's totally normal. But I think what happens yeah. is news reporters will report something true. Like Mangold met <laughs> yeah. with Lucasfilm, but then rumors get attached and then they spread on social media. And then years later, they just become accepted opinion. And you'll just see somebody tweeting like, well, yeah, remember when Mangold was going to direct Kenobi? And like, nobody ever said that. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and I just think, I think it's so important to just kind of take a step back and almost think of your own own daily life and think about like a yeah. thing that could be reported out of context. And then a bunch of people yeah. make up what it means, right? Yeah. Like, do you know like Ken bent over really fast uh, at like 2.42 p.m.? Like, uh, yeah, I think he's, I think he's sick. You're like, yeah, exactly. he, he's picking up cheese, you know? Yeah. Well, my back's hurting so bad. I'd be surprised I'm, be- I'm bending over fast, uh, but maybe that means I'm lying <laughs> about my back injury. Yeah, no, I love that, you know, a valet calls a, you know, deadline with a tip that Jimmy Mangold and Kathy Kennedy are meeting at Spago. And next, you know, uh, no, you know, now of course we know he's directing the, uh, Indy five. So there you go. And, and he's, uh, I love when Mangold kind of goes off on, on Twitter. It's, it's uh, sometimes a Sith like energy of anger, but, <laughs> uh, but I love what he's just like, that never happened. You're dumb. All of you are dumb. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, all jokes aside, I, I do like that. She's mentioning this now because there is this like said statute of limitation. Just like, yeah, no, that was so long ago. Uh, not, no truth to that. And so what is the, the nasty rumor today that will be nothing tomorrow is how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. True. There you go. Well, that is a look at the news for now. Like I said, jokes aside, I'm sure there'll be more Book of Boba Fett uh, on uh, TV spots and marketing on our way. We are in the season of Boba Fett, but that's our look at Star Wars news. We're going to get to your questions shortly, but first, uh, before we take a break, we're going to have a, a audiobook recommendation for you. Joseph, what do we have? Yeah, we have just a huge ingredient in the salad bar of Star Wars. Uh, we have Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. This is the first High Republic novel. So if you're interested in jumping into that story and seeing if that part of Star Wars is for you, this is a great place to start with this audiobook. Uh, it is. Download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, we are going to take a quick break, reset, and come back with your questions here on Force Center. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com, that's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com, for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Welcome back to Force Center, my friends. We have taken a look at the news. Let's take a look at the questions. Joseph, uh, what do we got this week? Yeah, we got two questions from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. As always, we will go first to Twitter. Uh, and Jamie, here's what Jamie has to say. Would you like to see a lightsaber fight in an area with lots of people? <laughs> uh, almost all lightsaber fights so far in the movies are in empty rooms or areas where only the duelers 
are the people there? What if a lightsaber fight broke out in a Canto bike casino and the pedestrians couldn't get out? Would the villain start force throwing people in the way? Would the hero be distracted and be trying to help people? Just wondered if you would like to see something along those lines. Uh, well, my simple answer is yes, but I have a more complex answer as well. So, Ken, where do you go with this? Um, I guess I'll, I'll keep it simple and direct. Could be a fun thing, and I'm all for it. A good urban lightsaber battle. Any era, I'm fine with it. Canto bite, and then down forever, wherever you want to do it, or the streets of uh, Corson. Uh, I think that, yeah, you do have a clear way to kind of determine the, the challenges of keeping your honor in a fight. I would expect a dark side user to do something uh, kind of nasty in that kind of situation. Uh, but also, if you as a Jedi, do you get to go, get to have those kind of discussions that we see a lot actually in the High Republic era? Um, uh, some of the, the, the younger Jedi, uh, there was Vanessa Rowe, some others are, are kind of like, hey, you know, if we if we be a little more proactive, we might end this. I'm not suggesting Jedi are going to start slicing citizens on the street, but... <laughs> Uh, if there's uh, you're in a situation where you might have to do a little something to win, what does that do to you? Do you lose the fight if you hold on to your honor? Honor, um, kind of a big, uh, bigger thematic questions, but also just a good, different kind of look. I, I do understand where Jamie's coming from, and you know, a lightsaber fight usually has a great setting, um, and it's clean in a way. Uh, a little messy lightsaber fight, not a bad thing for me. Yeah, no, there's a lot uh, uh, going on in this for me. There's the just like the cool, thrilling action scene, and then there's kind of the the depth of lightsaber fights in in Star Wars. Um, I think we have kind of dealt with things like this, but only around the edges. Of you know, there's that uh, kind of big big point in uh, season seven of Clone Wars where the Martez sisters are uh, disillusioned about the Jedi because uh, some of them, some of the Jedi, had to make a choice of like, well this bomb's got to go somewhere and there's nowhere for it to go where there's no one, you know? Yeah. And it's horrible, but uh, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And they're obviously mm-hmm. affected by that, uh, which feels like kind of, we don't actually see that. So that's more conceptual. Um, I also like that we have seen some action in public places, mostly from Obi-Wan chopping off hands and bars. <laughs> True. So I, in my head canon right now, Obi-Wan has had a lightsaber fight in a Canto Bike Casino at some point in yeah. his life, uh, but not so much a fight of more of a, a quick <laughs> disarming, uh, literally. Um, I, I think what's a couple things that are intriguing about this to me is we haven't seen something like this in Star Wars that I can think of, particularly with lightsabers, uh, but it is a, a fairly traditional superhero scene in comic books and mm-hmm. animated shows and movies, right? Of uh, the villain going, but this is your weakness. You care about people, right? And making it hard for the superhero to to fight and save people. Uh, so it'd be fun to see uh, a scene that is uh, been explored a lot in one genre and kind of the superhero world really explored in the Star Wars world. And this is where my thought went, Ken. And, and I know you've you've done some great ranked episodes about the meanings of the lightsaber battles, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like why why they're so often, uh, you know, in these remote places, you know, in, in all, the lightsaber fights happen in the power generators yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the galaxy, uh, is that the lightsaber fights are are mythic, right? They are, mm-hmm. they're real, they're an actual physical conflict, yet, but they're always symbolic, right? They're always sort of like two characters' perspectives and, and fears facing off. So by isolating them, it's it's really about these characters, you know? Right. What do they mean? And, and who's going to win? Not necessarily uh, because who's more powerful in the Force. That's sometimes a factor, but it's also often a lot about what do they care about? What, what anxieties are they working through? All that. So I would love a big, cool, awesome action scene like this where the villain is 
forcing the hero to choose between trying to defeat them and saving people if it really made sense for the characters, right? If mm-hmm. if that situation spoke to this specific hero's uh, fears and anxieties and their own wrestling with their identity, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, kind of the kind of the point of those fights, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for me, I think that would be really, really cool. Um, yeah. But it would also be very just just a great action scene if, uh, uh, you know, because sometimes the point of an action scene will t- is uh, exposition, right? To show you exactly how accomplished somebody is. So I'd also be happy if it's not this big climactic thing, but if it's a scene like that where the hero is like, yeah, no, I can effortlessly save everybody and and defeat the villain. <laughs> Yeah, and I like I like you bringing in the, the talk of uh, the Trace and Rafa kind of factor of you know unintended unintended consequences from the Jedi, which adds even more weight to what they uh, do and 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 the, the pressure to uh, use everything for knowledge and defense. But sometimes you're in those uh, little uh, tough spots, tight spots, as uh, they say in uh, Oh Brother, we're out there. We're in a tight spot. In a tight spot, yeah, because that's I think one of the great interesting things about a Jedi and why they can come off as cold as mm-hmm. they are, you know, taking on the burden of this terrible responsibility of in moments like this choosing, like, yeah, all right, do what, what do, who do I save? What is most important? You know, if I let this person get away right this second, are are more people going to die? You know, yeah. all those kind of extremely hard choices are what make the Jedi fascinating to me. So I would love that. Mm-hmm. Great question, Jamie. We're gonna move on. You ready, Ken? Yes, sir. All right, we're going to hear from Broom Kid. Uh, Broom Kid says, do you think we'll ever see episode 10 or another movie trilogy, episodes 10 through 12, specifically dealing with the story after the rise of Skywalker? Uh, this is a big uh, Star Wars question that we haven't really uh, touched on in a little while, Ken. So where are you at with this? Yeah, and I know there's some you know rumors, I would call them wild rumors, if not lies, uh, around this week of... of um, on, you know, series or movies uh, being developed uh, for this era. But here's the thing. I, I think we will see it. This is why I think I, I do examine every one of those rumors that kind of comes across because eh, maybe there's some truth to it. Uh, one of those, uh, it's one of those inevitable things for me. And I, I kind of mean that in a good way and a, a bad way in the sense of I'm not in a rush to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm okay with not getting those for a long time. Like four center episode 3000 could be happening. And both <laughs> that around there only because I just uh, not, not with, um, you know, the current Star Wars kind of discourse cycle, I would love to have that die down a little bit for sure. But not even about that, but just like I am interested in exploring. There's so many wonderful other areas and characters to explore that I, I can I can wait for 10, 11, and 12 and what that might be. And that could mean, you know, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega and, and Oscar Isaac get a little older and we bring them back and they're different. And they're now the older generation passing it on a big Star Wars theme. I'd be interested in exploring that. But even if it's five years from now and, and it's uh, Ray in the, at the height of her powers, I'm definitely interested in that. Um, I just, uh, I'm ready to kind of explore other areas right now, but I think it, I think it will happen. Uh, we are in an era where, you know, IP and tentpole filmmaking, it's here to stay, um, for better or worse, depending on which, uh, you know, a gangster movie you directed in the seventies and you get asked about, um, <laughs> I think it's okay to get there. I'm just, I'm okay with not getting there yet. Yeah, I think uh, this fresh round of uh, speculation springing from a Kathleen Kennedy quote where, again, she was saying something, I think, uh, totally reasonable that like, oh, yeah, we love the sequel characters and we're talking to actors. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Of, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah which is uh, understandable that, you know, just fan speculation and excitement would bubble up from that. But, yeah, far from confirmation. Um, I think for me, I, I'm in the exact same place. I think... Uh, I think there's a part of me that would be fine with the Skywalker saga being the Skywalker saga. 
mm-hmm. and not and you know maybe having a, a Finn show or a Finn movie or you know a Ray uh, show or a Ray movie. But I think in terms of an actual episode ten. Mm. Uh, or, or in particular, a, a another uh, trilogy. For me, that's got to be a generation away. Um, mm. That's what I would like, you know, like a minimum of 10 years from now. Because to me, what is interesting about it is uh, the actors coming back when they're older. Yeah. Um, and the honestly, the, the audience that uh, was kids when the sequel trilogy started coming out being adults and you know, Star Wars, as much as as it can be great fantasy and great escapism, it it does also uh, reflect the real world in terms of, you know, uh, mood and energy and um, uh, technology, certainly. Uh, So that those ideas, that generational change being a part of what, to me, the the Skywalker saga and and trilogies are about, uh, I would really want some time to pass for a trilogy. Mm. Now, I do think there is... good chance of in the next couple of years, uh, some form of storytelling, if it's a Disney plus show or a one-off movie, maybe, or even a comic book or a mm. video game dealing with post rise of Skywalker, maybe the main characters, but maybe just the state of the galaxy. Um, right. we don't know the, the exact fate of the movie rogue squadron right now, but that the verbiage that Lucasfilm had used had been talking about, um, this other time in the galaxy, which I think a lot of us, I don't have the phrasing in front of me, right. the way it was phrased really made it sound like it was after rise of Skywalker. Um, so I think that there is, uh, going to be a desire to tell stories after rise of Skywalker, but I think that's kind of like a, uh, to me after rise of Skywalker, you know, a solo Finn show set one year after rise of Skywalker to me is a, like a very different conversation than mm-hmm. episodes 10 through 12. I, I agree with you 100%. Rogue Squadron almost didn't, um, you know, whether it's his latter day now, we don't 100% know, but I, yeah, I, I, almost a different conversation, right? Like episode 10, that's some, that's weighty. That, that means a lot to just do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I love John Boyega and I love his, uh, the force sensitivity and the idea of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, exactly how would that develop and how would it be developed? Like, ah, I'd be thrilled if uh, we stopped recording and they're like, we have announced the Finn show. Right, right. I would be absolutely thrilled. But I think that also there is this history of Star Wars of knowing like, okay, we don't want to cut, uh, cut off future storytelling too much. So like, how do you tell a story that shares the state of the galaxy after rise of Skywalker uh, creates an actual legitimate, interesting personal conflict for the character, uh, but then still leaves yourself elbow room for plenty of time to pass if you're ever going to do that uh, 10 through 12 trilogy. Right there with you on it. Finn and yeah. Poe, the jackets across the galaxy, new series, Disney Plus. <laughs> right. uh, I would love that. Maz just tells the tale of the jacket. Uh, we're going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. First one comes from Tim Langell. Tim says, uh, you have to create a 90-second end credit scene for one of the saga films. Uh, Luckily, you are given a first selection of films to work with. What episode do you choose, and what is your end credit scene? Ken, where'd you go with this one? I had two choices here. Uh, I went to prequels on both of them, so I don't know if I'm stepping on anything you got. But um, my first one is uh, Phantom Menace. Uh, everything fades away. The peace orb is held high. And then we go back to uh course where Palpatine goes back to his office, coming back from the funeral. And he calls in Masamita and tells him to call for recent, uh, recently former Jedi Count Duco of Sereno. He's got mm. something to talk to him about. And then he kind of spins 
out and looks at Coruscant and says something evil. We are starting the Sith initiative. Yes, yes. I love it. Yes. There's that one. And the second one, I'm going to Tag Clones. And I did, I I tried to go all parts of the galaxy. I, I in all parts of the, the the franchise. I went to Attack of the Clones next. And this is, I think, inspired by, I, I'm trying to remember exact details of the Attack of the Clones novel and how much is just straight legends. I don't remember. Uh, someone out there can remind me. But it, this is uh, the uh, go go to post, uh, you know, Yoda, Mace, Obi-Wan have had their conversation. The weddings happen. And then you go back to Geonosis where three Jedi kind of clearing out. Uh, the Petrinaki Arena, and just kind of there's 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 bodies and gear, and it's a, it's a war scene. It's not looking good. And they're just kind of clearing things out in the catacombs, and that's when um, four lightsabers ignite, and they run into General Grievous, and we meet him there for the first time, and the war Ooh. is begun. Oh, that is a very good one. That's very cool. I like that one a lot. Yeah, but again, that comes uh, a little bit from the novel. There was some uh, his uh, his unveiling kind of happened in the catacombs. It's always been in the back of my head. So uh, yeah, I'd love to see that. Ooh, I like that one a lot. Um, I, I had not thought of a prequel one, uh, but I'm remembering something from the Revenge of the Sith novel. I think it's also in the Tartakovsky uh, Clone Wars. Uh, I would like the just nice post credit scene for Attack of the Clones where uh, Anakin and Padme uh, give each other the gift of their droids. That's right. Yes. Where uh, where Padme says, "Like, hey, look, you you need R two uh, to to go off and, and wage this conflict," and uh, and Anakin going, "Well, I, I I kind of abducted the droid I created. I didn't really mean to. I mean, he got on the ship. I guess oh, sure. you know. So uh, he's here now, and he really knows a lot about protocol, which seems yeah. better for you, Padme. It's always been just such a nice idea. I love that. That's great. Yeah, so that's less about like teasing what's next and more just a, a nice, fun little grace moment. Um, I have a, a, a answer that ties into what we we're just talking about. Of uh, I don't need this. This is just totally for fun, for conjecture. Mm-hmm. I like I, I like that. Uh, I would have taken more scenes at the end of Rise of Skywalker, um, but I also like that it was just very neat and tidy mm-hmm. uh, that ending. But uh, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't need a full ninety seconds. But a very short uh, scene of uh, of Ray and Finn beginning to train. That would be fun. That'd be great. Yeah, I love that. I would well, not mind that at all because it's just got that sense of the, the next generation. You know, moving on. Uh, the joke version of this is, you know, uh, you see a ship landing on Canto Bight, and Ray and Finn both uh, walk out and <laughs> say to uh, actual broom kid to Mary Blag, like, "We've sensed your power. Come with us." <laughs> Come with us. I would love that. Hey, look, I, you just watched the films. I'm one of the only people that actually uh, in the theater for Return of the King was like, do more, do more. Give me more endings. Give me more endings. Like I, I wanted more. I wanted to know every character I saw in the last uh, three movies. I wanted to know their, their endings. So give it's, me that. it's such a, it's such a parodied thing. It's such a joked about thing, which I have joked about. Um, mm-hmm. Back when I used to write for Rift Tracks, uh, I wrote a section of Return of the King and I, because that's how they do it. They divide it up between writers and smooth it all out. Uh, but I had a, this section where it seems like the movie's going to end and then it doesn't. So like I've literally written <laughs> jokes about that. And it was so great when I watched, rewatched those films to see like, no, all of these beats tie together. They're all there uh, for a reason. Um, but if Rise of Skywalker had kind of ticked down the list, right? Yeah. If it had been Ray and Finn connecting and, and talking about uh, the force and the future, if it had been, you know, a meeting of Poe and Rose and, uh, and uh, you know, all sorts of the resistant heroes deciding, you know, like, so government, how's that going to happen? Like, <laughs> 
people people would have made the return of the king joke. They would have. Uh, you know, in, in, in Game of Thrones uh, final episode, choosing the league, they would have made so many jokes. So I love what we got, but also for yeah. me, for yeah, just keep these end credit scenes going. Yeah, final one for me. This is my my joke answer: is mm. uh, Return of the Jedi. You know, I love the beautiful uh, happy ending, the uh, bitter bitter sweetness with uh, Luke turning away from his mentors and coming back into his the warm embrace of his family. I want that. I want, you know, the credits with a great triumphant music. And then right at the very end, I want just 90 seconds of Tebow alone in the woods, just chewing on what is obviously a raw stormtrooper leg. <laughs> just gritty, grimy, just, uh, oh, that's yep. beautiful. Viscera, viscera yeah. in Ewok teeth for 90 seconds. <laughs> is that a tendon? Oh boy. Yes. <laughs> Tebow's got a tendon. Yep, that's a... <laughs> anyway, great question, Tim. Uh, we have some sincere answers and some not as sincere answers. Love it. Uh, all right, moving on to our final question. This comes to us from Commander Cloud. Uh, Commander says, when it comes to talented actors, Star Wars has an embarrassment of riches. There are so many great people across multiple genres and generations of film. So just for fun, if you could swap a character for another played by the same actor... Who would it be? Mm. Qui-Gon for Ra's al Ghul, Dooku for Dracula, Major Derlin for Cliff Clavin, Yoda for Fozzie. The possibilities are endless. Uh, Commander Cloud says, personally, I'd like to see the random First Order Stormtrooper guarding Ray replaced by Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc. I can imagine him still in the armor, plying her with questions and going on about the donut hole in the center of his Snoke theory. It would be delightful. (laughs) (laughs) This is so great. This is the thing my wife and I have been talking about because, you know, in this the, the big genre tentpole, tentpole movies are the way that we know a lot of uh, actors. And it yeah. is weird uh, to try to clear your mind. You know, you sit down to watch Dune and there's uh, Poe Dameron with a mighty beard. And he is trying to give advice to his young son saying, you know, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a pilot. And it's hard to go. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's an actor. It's playing another character. That is not Poe Dameron. Uh, so it's it's fun to think about how we know people in their different roles. So where do you go with this fun game, Ken? Uh, I just you're making me think back to when when I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Indiana Jones is also Han Solo. Seven <laughs> years old, just my mind blown. Uh, I go. I have three choices here. I got, and I you know I try to make it, you know, like Qui Gon for Ra's al Ghul is not. I wouldn't say a one to one swap, but it's I don't know. It could be a similar vibe as Liam Neeson, but so I try to keep it with that. But here's where I went. Uh, Donald Gleason. As Bill Weasley, as a kind, but but he's got some powers. He's got some wizard powers. He's gone a little wrong, you know. He's 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 hungry for power. I don't know. Maybe he's opened up a, a shop on Diagon Alley. Now he wants to take over the galaxy. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm not super super familiar with Harry Potter's. I've seen them all. We actually just recently watched um, a Half Blood Prince on Thanksgiving with uh, Grace and her her sister and brother in law. It, it was good fun. Uh, and and Donald Gleason's so great, but just yeah, take Bill Weasley in there, slide him in there, yelling at Snoke, or maybe maybe <laughs> he turned Snoke good. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he can uh, somehow survive that blaster shot to the gut. Yeah, maybe he could. <laughs> uh, then I go to uh, Benicio del Toro as Doctor Gonzo instead of DJ. <laughs> Uh, going to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, <laughs> a movie I, I haven't seen in years, but I uh, I saw it many times in the theater. It's an uh, interesting phase of my life. Um, so I don't know, just wild, crazy. Uh, I love DJ. I love his portrayal as DJ, but that kind of same chaotic energy uh, could be uh, could fit in quite nicely there on uh, in the prisons in, of Canto Bay. 
Oh, that's so great. I first saw Benicio Del Toro in the 1989 James Bond movie, License to Kill, where he plays one of the hench people. And it, 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 his, his main claim to fame is uh, pulling out a knife in a really weird, fun way, which now makes perfect sense for Benicio Del Toro. That makes sense. That's fine. You know, the first time I really was uh, early, not uh, the fan. He was in that uh, the De Niro obsessed baseball movie, The Fan. And I think, oh, wow. He, yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting there. And then the final one, a final one, David Prowse as Green Cross Man, the <laughs> crossing guard uh, British advertisement uh, character to get kids to look both ways before they cross the street. And you can just go around the galaxy trying to put the rules, the rules of safety on everyone in the galaxy in a menacing way. That is a very deep and beautiful cut. Uh, absolutely great. Um my mind went to a couple different places. Uh, Ewan McGregor, you know, I, I, I like him as Obi-Wan. He's real great. Uh, I really like that uh, movie. It got memefied a bunch. Uh, the movie Christopher Robin, which features many great Star Wars actors. Seal Bibble and Obi-Wan Kenobi have a conversation. Um, that uh, that movie is, uh, uh, I, some people didn't like it, but I love that film. Uh, and Christopher Robin in particular, it's the, the, the story of him as an older man where he is beginning to sort of, He's lost his sense of hope and a sense of adventure and a sense of uh, of whimsy. And uh, it would be nice to see um, poor uh, poor Christopher Robin pop up in Star Wars and uh, have his uh, hope renewed by BB-8. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is uh, one that is, uh, uh, you could go lots of different ways with this actor. Uh, but uh, Laura Dern, of course, playing Holdo. Uh, I would love to see her as Diane from Twin Peaks uh, Season 3. Mm-hmm. Not familiar with Twin Peaks, uh, maybe you know that uh, in the first two seasons, the Agent Cooper, uh, one of the very main characters, uh, has a microphone or a handheld recorder, and he he dictates his thoughts to Diane. And you never knew who that was, for sure. Uh, but then in the third season, we do meet Diane. She's played by Laura Dern, and she's been through some stuff, and she is really uh, assertive, <laughs> angry, and swears a lot. Love it. Love it. Uh, her two uh, probably best known lines from Twin Peaks season three is saying, let's rock. And then uh, F you to lots of people. So <laughs> uh, I would love to for Holdo to suddenly become Diane awesome. on the uh, secondary bridge of the Radis and turn to Poe and say, F you, Poe, let's rock. Let's do it. That's great. That's a perfect. <laughs> uh, final one for me, perhaps obvious because I've talked about watching them all weekend. I would love to turn on uh, Last Jedi and suddenly see Kylo Ren being absolutely mocked and shamed by Gollum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and him talking about how he needs to find his precious Luke Skywalker. <laughs> That'd be great. It's almost a, that's almost a one-to-one trade. It's almost there. It really it takes the galaxies from us. No. Yes, yes it does. Oh, that's love. That's love. That's lovely. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. Great, great uh, answers, Ken. Uh, thank you, Commander Cloud, for the question. Thank you, Tim, uh, Broom Kid, and Jamie. All great questions. Uh, that's it. That is it. Oh, my gosh. We're out of here on episode 379. Uh, you want to find us, connect with us, ask a question yourself? You can do so by finding us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Joseph always puts the call for questions up there. It's a pinned tweet, uh, and you can respond to that one. Our uh, Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Um, uh, one thing I'll say, because uh, this podcast is available in a lot of different spots, as we always tell you, as you set up top, switch to ACAST. ACAST is going to make it uh, a lot easier for us to put uh, audio versions of the podcast up on YouTube. 
uh, not our faces. Don't worry. But a lot of people do listen to podcasts that way. <laughs> so it will be uh, easier. So uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, and then maybe one day we'll roll some cameras on some other stuff. You never know. Uh, merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Uh, you can find me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, catnapsock.com for information, all the other things I'm doing, including comedy live in Washington, D.C. at the Comedy Law. Four dates with Mark Ellis. Uh, check it out there and you can get tickets. Also on that page, I have the charity Spotlight, uh, where I have some selected charities that I've supported myself or uh, a longtime uh, listeners and patron supporters have suggested. You can find a long list there. Highlight a lot of them here each week. Joseph, what do you got? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can find all of my other comedy adventures, uh, my podcast, uh, Obsessed, uh, all on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Uh, and for highlighting things, I always suggest the service ResistBot. You can get it on social media. You can just go to the website, uh, Google ResistBot. And it is uh, just a fast and easy way to let your reps know what you care about uh, and use really use your voice in the system that we got. You can do that with ResistBot. Do it indeed, my friends. All right, great episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you on the other side. We'll catch you on Acast soon here on Force Center. See ya. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.